Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Man, um, I'm going to introduce our teacher this morning. Like, I don't know that she really needs an introduction, but um, I want to publicly say our time is running short with Sister Monk, and so we're going to squeeze everything out of her that we can before she gets hitched and sails off to Holland. (laughs) And so um, I told her the other day, I said, just so you know, I'm already lining up my tickets. I'm coming to see you, so... And I want to run through tulips. I don't know if they allow that, but I've always wanted to run in fields of tulips, and they have them there, so we're doing that when I go. But anyways, Sister Monk is going to come and teach this morning. I'm so thankful for her ministry, her faithfulness. She has been a loyal, incredible woman in my life, and I'm thankful for her. So Jessica, come and teach us something. Thank you, Sister Valerie. Love Sister Valerie. Y'all love our pastor's wife. She's been a, um, a voice in my life, a friend, and ah, of course she had to go in the way of like, oh, we don't have much time because I've already been fighting those emotional roller coasters for the last week. Like it just, it's like, oh, everything's great. And then it's like, I was thinking I was talking to Cameron last weekend and just, it just hit me. I was like, oh, like I only have like four months left, but oh, it's all right. It's Okay. You know, this is 2021, you know, FaceTime travel, things like that. Like, I'll be, you know, coming back and forth and visiting. And Angelita's giving me, like, some major (laughs) stink eye over here. (laughs) I'm scared. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, but um, thank you. I want to say thank you to Pastor uh, and Sister Valerie, Brother Roberts, and Sister Roberts uh, for believing in me, for giving me this opportunity. I was thinking the other day of the first time that uh, I spoke at Living Hope, and it was like right before Christmas, and I think I had like, it was a Wednesday night, I think I had like three days to prepare, it was a Sunday, and Pastor Staten was like, hey, do you, it was me and uh, Brother Wilson actually, he's like, do you guys want to, you know, do like a, you know, 20 minutes on Wednesday night, each of you, and I was like, uh, in like two days or like two weeks, he was, you know, so he gave his topics. And so I was just remembering that the other day. And, um, I'm so thankful for the leadership of our church, as well as you all, you've been patient with me. You've helped me to grow. You've encouraged me. And yeah, so I just love you guys. Um, so if we will turn to Psalms 18 verse two, we're going to move forward before I like melt into an emotional puddle up here. Um, I was, um, if you want to stand, you can. Um, I just have this one verse of scripture. Um, it says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. He is my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. If you want to flip over to Psalms uh, 91, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. So this morning I want to speak a little bit about um, the Lord is a mighty fortress. 
Amen. So if we could just lift our hands and just ask the Lord to be with us this morning. God, we thank you. God, for bringing us here safely today, God. You've kept us from dangers seen and unseen this week. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are our keeper, God. You are our protector, God. You are that mighty fortress, God, that we can run into, God, and that we can find safety. God, I ask you to move in this place today, God. Just be with us, God. I pray that you would open our hearts, God. Open our minds, God. Open our understanding, God, to receive what you desire to speak to us. God, I pray that I would be your vessel this morning, God. Let your words flow through me, God. Not my words, God, but what you desire to speak today, God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, I was in Holland a couple months ago, obviously, everyone knows that, and I was listening to a song, um, and it was IBC's latest um, album, and I believe the song is called A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and it it just really kind of resonated with me, and I got to thinking about it. Fortress isn't really a word that we use a lot in 2021, at least in America. Um, So, what is a fortress? Like, you know, if somebody were to probably at that point would have walked up to me and been like, what is a fortress? I would have really had to think about it, you know, and how to explain it. Um, But another word for a fortress is it's a strong place. It's uh, sometimes it includes like a town or a fort. It's a castle. Um, It's a place of defense or security. A fortress, it's also a person or a thing that's not susceptible to outside influence or disturbance. So when something is fortified or when someone is fortified, it is provide, it's provided with defensive works. It's, it's already given those methods of protection against attacks. Um, a fortress was designed to be defended, meaning it's very hard for enemies to get inside a fortress. Um, and those who are inside of that fortress are kept safe. Our, our scripture text this morning says that the Lord is my fortress. Uh, we know that the Lord is invisible, right? We can't see him. We feel him, but we can't see him. He's not a castle. He's not a building um, that we can run inside and we can lock the door. So how do we make him our fortress? How do we make God our fortress? Um, The definition, one of the definitions, it says that it's a person or a thing that's not susceptible to outside influence or disturbance. That is God. He is our fortress. He's not susceptible to anything on the outside. He's not anything that comes against him. He's not influenced by anything that we can see or hear or feel. It it doesn't affect him, but he is our fortress. So I... um, being in Europe, you know, it's very, there's a lot of castles and a lot of very large churches and really beautiful architecture. So I did a little bit of reading on ancient fortresses and how they were built. And, you know, there were certain steps that had to be followed for a castle or for a fortress to be built. And so this morning, I'm going to use five of those steps. It's not all of them by any means, but five of those steps and kind of parallel how we can make God our fortress, you know, so kind of maybe like a parable, you know, I'm not Jesus and this isn't the gospels, but this is kind of a parable. I'm going to take something, you know, physical that we understand and kind of parallel it to something spiritual. So the first step that uh, they said that they had to go through 
in order to build a fortress is that they had to get permission from the king. And going to the king or the ruler of the area and asking for permission, the people, those who wanted to build the fortress, they demonstrated a spirit of submission. You know, they recognized that in order for this fortress to be strong and safe, that they could not do it on their own, but they would need the king's approval and his support. So when we submit to Jesus Christ as our Lord, we're saying that he is the ruler, he's the boss, he's the master of my whole life. Not just a little part, but he's given control of everything. Not only the spiritual, you know, sometimes that might be a little bit easier to give God control, you know, of our spiritual, I'm going to worship him, you know, I'm going to lift my hands, those forms of submission, but of our physical, our emotional beings, our relationships, you know, he's in control of our, our education. Of, you know, like he should be in control of those things. The list can go on and on and on of the things that we should submit to God. Basically, if you can think of it, you should submit it. So James 4, 7 says to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We love that portion of scripture that says resist the devil and he's going to flee. You know, if we resist him, if we don't think, you know, if we push against him, He's going to flee and he's not going to affect us. But the first part of that verse is the first part for a reason because you have to submit to God first. Submission must come first. When we come to the king of kings, the ruler of everything, we begin the process of building that strong fortress. And so we're opening ourselves up when we come to him and we're like, we're seeking his approval. We're, we're, going to, we're saying, okay, God, before I do anything, I want to make sure that I have your permission. I want to make sure that I have your approval. The, because, God, you're in charge of everything. You are the creator of the earth. You hold everything in your hands. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You are in control of everything. So I want to have your approval. Where there is approval, there is security. Because you know you're not on this journey by yourself. You know you've got the proper people in place that got, you know, that's going to support that. First Thessalonians 2, 4 says, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. God, when we get the approval of God, he puts his trust in us to spread the gospel, to speak the word of God. Galatians 1.10, it says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. When we submit to God and his plan, he's enabled to entrust the gospel to us, his purpose to us. His purpose for coming was to spread the good news, to spread the gospel, to see the world saved. We became his servant when we submit to him. When we have his approval, we're going to have his support and his resources. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, But first and most importantly, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, seek. When you seek, you're aiming at, you're striving after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. Not my own, but his way. I'm seeking after the attitude and the character of God. When I do that first and make that the first priority, then all of these things will be given to me. Everything that I need, the resources, the support that I need will be given to me. Philippians 4.19, it 
says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I love that verse. It's one of my favorite verses. I think we could all probably quote it. Many scholars here believe that Paul is writing this letter while enduring one of his many imprisonments. He was writing this verse to us. Earlier in the book of Philippians, he's speaking to some of the things that he had went through because he had submitted to God's plan for his life. I mean, Paul was a, he didn't have to do that. You know, he was a great man. He was important in the eyes of a lot of people, and yet he submitted his life to God and ended up in prison multiple times. But he also proclaims in verse 13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is our example that even if we're facing difficult things, different circumstances that we may not understand, we, don't, we can't control it. But when we surrender to God and say, you know what, you're in control, Lord, we can do all things because he will strengthen us and supply everything that we need. My mom has always said this since I can remember. I don't know if she made up the made it up. I'm sure maybe some of you have heard it, but she always told us that a life of submission is a life of protection. And I, I remember that sometimes when I'm like, when I face things and I'm like, I don't really like that, or I don't really know if I want to do that. A life of submission is a life of protection. And it goes for all of us. When we're submitted to God, when we bring ourselves under his command and obey obedience to him, we're protected. God covers us. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to, God, I want to build this fortress here. Is that okay with you? Yeah. It's okay. I, I, I approve of that. Or no, I don't approve of that. I mean, I wouldn't want to build something where the king wouldn't want me to build it because the king has power with a lot of people. And if I'm building something where he doesn't want it, more than likely somebody's going to get hurt, you know? So there's protection and submission. The second thing that they would do in building a fortress is that they had to make sure they were building in the right place. Castles, I mean, if you've seen castles probably in movies, you may have traveled and seen them in person. They're usually built on higher ground, on a hill, usually with clear views of the surrounding lands. And both of these things are strategic. It makes it difficult for them to attack because they're higher and they can see, and then it takes a little bit more energy to get up the hill. Kings don't build castles in common places. It isn't safe for a king to build their home, their dwelling place in common places. It leaves them vulnerable to attack. If they just build it like in the middle of a town, well, they're open to all of those attacks. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Revelation 1.6 says, He hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We are kings in the, in the family of God. God has made us kings and priests when we are submitted to him, when we're living for him. So it's not okay for us to build our lives in common places, because we're, we're royalty. So we're not going to be common. We're not going to fit in with a lot of the things of this world because we're royalty. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, 
says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. You're kings. Don't team up with people that are unbelievers. How can righteousness be partners with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them, I will walk among them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. I will welcome you. I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Not only are we kings, and we've got to build in in uncommon places. We've got to build in places that are going to be easily protected. But we have the king of kings living in us. He is, and he has called us. He doesn't want to dwell in a temple that is unclean or that is open to things of this world. So we've got to make sure that we're building in the right place. I'm not saying we can't be a witness to the world. That's, as Pastor said this morning, we are that light. We are the only hope that this world has. But if we really want the Lord to be our fortress, we can't build our lives, the things that make us tick, our dwelling places, the, the places where we find peace, the places where we run to, you know, those places of refuge, they can't be in the world. Like we can't find comfort and our approval and our fulfillment in things of the world. Like we just can't do it because we are royalty and we have the king of kings living us and we have to build in the right place. The third thing that they would do in building a fortress is that they would dig a moat. Does anyone know what a moat is? It's a fun word. Yeah, Mia knows. So a moat is a deep, broad ditch, which can, it can be dried or filled with water. You know, it can, um, it will surround a castle or building or town. Um, and what it does is it provides that first line of defense. When the enemy's coming against trying to attack the castle, they've got to first overcome the moat if the attackers got close enough. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel crossed through the Red Sea, it was a separation from their past. The Red Sea was the moat, if you would, that separated them from Egypt. It separated them from the world and their promise. A type of baptism, we know many of us have talked about, you know, we've heard, I'm sure, that the children walking through the Red Sea was a, a type of baptism to come. It was a cleansing. It was a washing away. It was the enemies of their past, the Egyptian army. We know they were destroyed in the waters. When we go down in the name of Jesus in baptism, the blood of Jesus is applied to our lives. The enemies of our past are completely destroyed. They're washed away. They're to never to pursue after us again. That's a promise that we can hold on to. We know that that's the power that is in the name and the blood of Jesus. The blood is our first line of defense. I know old timers and they say, you know, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. We need to plead the blood of Jesus because it is the only thing that works against the attack of the enemy. It's not pretty. The blood is not pretty. It's not attractive but it works. That's where the power is. So if you feel this morning that your past is chasing after you and you've not been baptized, be baptized today. 
it's it's ready. If you have been baptized, begin calling on the name because we know that the power of baptism is not just in that moment, but it's also something that we can point the enemy back to and say, oh no, oh no, you may try to say this, but the blood has already been applied to my life. And it doesn't matter. The blood is still powerful. So enemy, you're done. Get out of my life. Get out of my mind. You're done. You're defeated by the blood of Jesus. We overcome Satan because of the blood of Jesus. Revelation 12 tells us that. It said they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb. So whenever we sense that accusation, the enemy, the Bible says, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Has has anyone felt accused even this week? The enemy tried to bring some things up in your mind that maybe you did in the past or maybe you did in the moment. And then the enemy's like, what's that? Like, okay. No, that's, we have the blood of Jesus and we overcome. When the Israelites came out on the other side of the Red Sea, dry and unharmed, and they turned to look where God had brought them from. They saw the Egyptians, their enemy, the ones who had held them captive for hundreds of years, pursuing after them. Can't imagine the fear that, that would have arisen up in them. And try, you know, they had their children and wanting, you know, the enemy's coming after us. Like we've just been, deli- we, we thought we were delivered from slavery, but now they're still chasing after us. And in that moment, the waters came down over the enemy and completely destroyed the enemies of their past. Can we put ourselves in that place this morning and think about every enemy that has pursued after us and just picture that and say, you know what? The blood of Jesus is like a rushing, mighty wave wiping the enemy completely out, destroying, annihilating the enemy that had been pursuing them, that had been holding them captive. And now they are experiencing a feeling that they had never experienced before. They had been captive for hundreds of years. These people, they had never been free. And in that moment, they had the first experience, that first feeling of freedom because the blood. That's what we, when we go down in the waters of baptism and we come up, Romans tells us that we are buried with him by baptism, that as Christ was raised up from the dead, even so we also walk in newness of life. Second Corinthians says that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new and we are free because of the blood of Jesus. That is our fortress. The blood is our fortress, our defense against the enemy. The fourth thing that they would do is that they would build thick walls and battlements. So the approach to the castle's main gate would be the only way in, and that is a message in itself, but I'm not going to go down that path. It was protected by what they would call a barbican. This is a kind of a fortified corridor, corridor, like a hallway type, um, made up of two walls on either side of the track leading to the gatehouse. So they had to go through this corridor to get to the, uh, to the gate. And so as attackers would fight their way around towards the gate, those defending the castle would man the tops of the walls and they would fire, 
fire arrows and missiles down at them. Some of these walls were up to eight feet thick in places. That's a wide wall. That's a big wall. Eight feet, that's like almost twice my height. So they were topped, uh, in, so on top of these walls, they were topped by a battlement, which is a low protective wall built along the edge of the roof with openings to shoot through. If you can picture kind of a castle, you can probably kind of picture that in your mind. That's what a battlement is called. And so behind this, behind the battlement, there was a flat stone walkway. I mean, it's eight feet wide, so plenty of room to walk, right? So the castle soldiers could use the gaps in the battlements known as crenellations to shoot attackers. Basically, there were these little windows, and they would be able to see through it and shoot it. Well, then the wall would protect them, so they would be able to defeat the enemy that was coming. Isaiah 62.6 uh, in the English Standard Version says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. Ezekiel 33 says, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from among them, make him their watchman. And if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But if, but if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. God has given us men and women in our lives to be the watchmen. Pastors, parents, mentors, leaders, they want what is best for us. They're looking out for us. They sometimes see things that we don't see. Why? Because they're on the wall. Not only do they see it, but God has equipped them with the weapons that are needed to keep the enemy at bay. Hebrews 13, 17 tells us to obey your leaders and submit to them, for they watch over your souls as those who must give an account. To this end, allow them to lead with joy and not with grief, for that would be of no advantage to you. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where no counsel is, the people fail. The people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. One version says that there is deliverance and a multitude of counselors. The second portion of Hebrews, verse 17, it says, allow them to lead. It's your decision. It's your decision. God will put watchmen in your life. He, will put, he has put a watchman in all of our lives. But just like a king places watchmen on the wall of a fort, of a castle, around the castle, it's the choice of the people as to whether or not they're going to listen to the watchman. The watchman could be saying, there's an attack coming, there's an attack coming, there's an attack coming, and the people could just be like, eh, I'm just going to go to the market. It's fine. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It's their choice. It's our choice whether we heed to the warning that God has placed in our life, to the watchman. Listen and obey, even if you don't understand, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if you can't see it for yourself, there is deliverance 
available for you. There's protection available for you if you will listen and obey. A couple years, actually several years ago, probably close to 10 maybe, I had a dream. And I don't really dream often, and it's shocking that I remember this dream from 10 years ago. But occasionally, like this, it'll just play back in my mind. It's very short. And I don't think I've ever even shared this with anybody. But in my dream, I was in a field. And it was like I was covered, you know, in the military. You see, like, when the soldiers are out on these open fields, they have these things that they kind of get under. I don't know what it's called at all. But it kind of looks like a bush. It's, like, camouflaged. And, you know, they're they're hiding. And I was out in this field, and I was under one of these things. And I was kind of peeking out. And in my mind, Pastor Staten was on a wall, and he was shooting arrows. I couldn't see what he was shooting at. I had no idea. But I knew in my dream, I'm like, I have to stay under this cover. I have to stay under this cover because I know that he sees the enemy that's trying to destroy me. So this morning, I, don't, I was thinking about this last night, and I felt it so strong. And I don't know if it's for anybody in this moment. I don't know if it's for somebody that might be in the future that you may look back at this. But listen to the watchman that you've placed on the wall. Listen. Because he's not getting... He's not getting paid the big bucks for this. He's not trying to destroy your life. He's not thinking about, hmm, what could I say to this person that would make them really miserable? What, what could I tell them to do that they're going to hate me for? That's not what's keeping him up at night. No, what's keeping him up at night is he sees the enemy that's coming to attack you, and he's thinking, God, what can I tell them? What, bat- what sword, what weapon do I need to use against the enemy that's coming against them? So whatever it is, you, you probably won't see it. That's, you know, I've heard so many times, God, you've protected us from danger, seen and unseen. So many times we don't even see what the attack has been. We don't even see the enemy that has tried to come at us and destroy us, but he has. God has given him the wisdom. God has given him the ability to be able to see into your life. So trust him. And I don't, he can correct this, but if you can't, if you can't, find someone you can. Find someone who you trust to speak into your life because your soul depends on it. Your soul absolutely depends on it because we're not going to be able to see everything. We're not going to be able to know everything. But God has anointed men and women that can. I'm so thankful for Pastor and Sister Valerie. They've literally, I know Brother Jose laughs at people when they say literally, because most of the time it's not literally, but it is literally in this case. They have literally saved my life on more than one occasion. If not for them, I 100% know I would not be standing here. So moving on, listen, get in that fortress, allow that to protect you. God's given us that to be a safe place for us. Number five, and the final thing that I'm going to talk about today is 
they would just construct a defensive keep. Now, a keep was usually considered to refer to a large tower in castles. They were fortified residences used as a refuge of last resort should the rest of the castle fall to an adversary. You've seen it inside places. You know, you've seen the big, tall tower. That was the keep. That was kind of the last resort place. So there may be times, you may even be there in this moment today, when you feel like, God, I've done everything right. God, I've done everything that I can do. I've submitted to you. You are the king of everything in my life. I've separated myself from the world. I've I've separated myself unto you. I'm building my life in the right place. God, I've declared the power and the authority of your blood, and I know that you, your blood is powerful against the attack of the enemy. And God, I follow the instruction of the watchman. God, I've been obedient. I've listened. I've been obedient. And the attack of the enemy seems to only be getting stronger. I, I've been there, and I'm sure you all have been there as well. We're left with one final option. We must get in the keep. A keep or a fortress is no good to the one on the outside. In fact, those on the outside can sometimes be mistaken for the enemy. If you're not inside the castle, if you're not inside the the fort, if you're not inside the fortified place, you could be considered the enemy. You must get inside the fortress for it to protect and keep you. Psalms 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. David here is writing Psalms. Yeah, I'm going to grab a tissue. Sorry. That's embarrassing. (laughs) But we're all family, right? So it's all good. I know you all still love me. All right. So David, here obviously writing the psalm, he considered the tabernacle the place of God's presence. It wasn't a building. It was just where the presence of God was. It was the equivalent of God's protection. He would feel safe in God's presence. His enemies would not be able to reach him there. In David's time, a host who had welcomed a visitor into their home, they accepted the responsibility to keep that visitor safe. When they invited someone in, it's not like it is today. You invite somebody over for dinner. and I mean, we don't really have to worry about soldiers coming and pounding down our doors. Well, a lot of times in David's time, they did. So the, the host would accept the responsibility to protect and keep safe their visitors. The tent would serve as a stronghold. It was a keep or a fortress for the visitor. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus calls to us. He says, come to me, 
All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is inviting us. He is welcoming us into his presence. When we enter into the presence of God, when we make that our dwelling place, we are safe. Jesus accepts the responsibility of keeping us safe. But we have to get in. Every time the doors to the church are opened, we must have that urgency. I must get into his presence. Every morning when my eyes open, I must get into his presence. When the enemy surrounds me, I must get into his presence. I've got to get into the keep. I've got to get into the the safe place where the enemy cannot get to me. We are safe in Christ. He says, I give them eternal life. This is Jesus talking in this scripture. So powerful. He says, I give them eternal life, life forever. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one, no one, no thing can snatch you out of the hand of God. The enemy would love to pry us from the safety of our Savior's hand and destroy us. That's his plan. That's his goal. But he literally faces an impossible task. If we get in, he cannot. No one can take us from the hand of God. He is our mighty fortress. He is mighty. If we could stand this morning, I am finished. I don't know where you are in the process of building your fortress, whether it's you need to submit to the plan and the purpose of God in your life, whether you may have been building in the wrong place and you need to move things around, whether you need to remind the enemy that the blood has been applied. And he needs to back up. Whether you need to listen to the watchman to some instruction that he's given. Or whether you simply just need to get into the presence of God this morning. He is here. And he is that mighty fortress. If we could just close our eyes, lift your hand, whatever makes you feel comfortable. And just just talk to the Lord a little bit this morning. God, thank you, God, that you are our fortress. God, that in you we find safety. God, in a world that is full of chaos, in a world, God, that attacks, God, are more than we can even imagine. God, you are our fortress. God, I thank you that we can come into this place, God, that we can come into your presence. God, and there is safety. God, there is peace. God, even when we don't understand, God, there is that peace that passes understanding. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are a refuge. God, you, God, have built, God, things around us, God, that if we heed to your word, God, that you, God, are our keeper. God, you are our protector. You are a provider, Lord. I thank you for it, God. You are holy, Lord, and I thank you, God, for what you're going to do in the rest of this service. God, we seek after you this morning. God, not our will, not our ideas, God, but what you desire to do. God, we worship you, Lord. God, we worship you, God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence that's here right now. Lord, we thank you for your presence that's here right now. The presence of the Lord is in this place this morning. I believe that he is working in ways that we cannot even imagine. 
Lord, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We still have a little bit. Of, you can be seated for just a moment. I know we still have a little bit of time. I was thinking a couple different passages, different instances in the scripture. Uh, I think Sister Monk gave us some practical steps uh, to ensure that we're that we have a fortress. I think the key is that it's something we have to build. I was uh, thinking of, uh, I think it's, uh, was it Uzziah? I think it was Uzziah that um, the Bible speaks of the wisdom of Uzziah that one of the things that Uzziah did is that he built towers. And these, basically they're exactly what Sister Monk talked about. He built these uh, towers and, and part of the reason that his kingship you know, it wasn't in those days, and still, everybody would play the game King of the Hill. I don't know if they play that anymore. I don't think they play games like that anymore. I remember when I was a kid playing King of the Hill, the object was throw everybody else off. And uh, if you didn't go home hurt, you didn't play the game right. Uh, nowadays, you might get a cramp in your thumb with all the games they play, but that's about it. Anyway, I'm picking, I'm picking a little bit, but uh, not a whole lot. That's pretty much true. So uh, anyway, King of the Hill, the object is if you're the last guy on the hill, uh, you're winning, but it's not over because somebody's trying to take you out. And that, the name got its, you know, the, the game got its name because that's what, when you were the king, there were always factions of people trying to take you out. And if you study uh, the kingship of Judah and Israel, you'll, there were several kings that were only there maybe a matter of months or years, and then somebody rose up and took them out. But Uzziah, I believe his kingship was, I think it was around 45 years. The Bible says it was the uh, most prosperous outside of the kingship of Solomon. So it was a prosperous time. But the scripture gives uh, accreditation as to why his uh, kingship was so, uh, why he endured longer than the other kings and why he was more prosperous. And it puts a lot of it on because he built towers. And it, and it says a couple things about those towers. It says he... He built those towers everywhere where there was a change of direction. Everywhere there was a turn in the wall, Uzziah said, I'm going to put a tower there because change brings blind spots, right? Anytime that there's a change of direction, I mean, if you, look, if you just think about a watchman standing on a wall, and as long as that wall is straight, you can look forever and see. But if there's a change in direction, there's a blind spot over there. And so Uzziah said, I'm going to put a tower everywhere that there's a change in direction. And, and again, the tower was exactly what Sister Monk said. It was a place that a watchman could climb into. It was a place that they kept their weapons. It was, it was a fortified place that the enemy, that those, those, those thick walls that were built there that the enemy couldn't just run through. And, and he said, anywhere there's a change in direction in my life, I I've got to have, and, and we watch so many times people come to a change in life, a new season in life, and they get off, they, they just, they, they lose their bearing, they lose their direction, they don't, they don't consult spiritual authority. They don't, and how many of you know that the number one spiritual authority in your life is the Word of God, right? The Bible is number one, okay? If, if me, I think it was Paul that said, if I or uh, if an angel or me or anybody else, right, would, would come bringing a different word than the gospel, that man's accursed. If I get up and preach something to you that's different than what the Bible says, amen, hopefully I didn't mean to. And hopefully I can get corrected and get back where I need to. But if I meant to, I am accursed. That's what the Bible says. And, and so we, we, the first thing that when we're going through seasons of change, when there's 
turbulence in our lives, we need to build a tower there and say, God, I'm not going anywhere until I see what the word of God has to say about this. I'm not going anywhere until I, you know, I don't think you need to schedule a meeting with the pastor to, you know, do I need to wear, you know, uh, blue shoes or black shoes with this outfit? I, I got no interest in being that kind of a pastor. All right, should I get a blue Honda or a yellow Toyota? Again, please don't call me on that one. All right, I, I trust you enough. I, and if you, if you don't trust yourself enough, call somebody else. They'll help you with that one. I, I, I don't know colors well enough to, to give you any advice on that. But big life-changing decisions, we need to consult, number one, the Word of God. Then, then we need to consult that spiritual authority that's in our lives. Amen? And when we don't do that, then later on we find, well, the enemy got in. Somehow the enemy got in. Well, I'm going to tell you how he got in. is because you didn't have a tower there. And there was a blind spot and the enemy got through and now you're having to deal with an enemy that's in your camp rather than an enemy that's outside the wall. But we have to build the tower. The Bible says Uzziah builded towers. And then I think of Noah, right? Noah built an ark. A hundred years, they say, a hundred years Noah built that ark. I and mean, we think of Noah built an ark, God speaks to him, and boom, there's a boat. It wasn't that easy. Noah was building longer than most of us will be alive, probably all of us. He was building a boat longer with no sign of rain. You want to talk about conspiracy theorists? Noah was, I mean, I know today everybody that doesn't align with, you know, what the mainstream nudia, uh, nudia? media, that, that's dangerous, media says that's a, a conspiracy theory. Well, Noah was a conspiracy theorist. He said, I'm building a boat for rain. What rain? Uh, it's coming. I don't see any rain. There's no clouds. In, well, it's coming. I'm just telling you, it's coming. And, and you better get ready. And, and they laughed him to scorn. For 100 years, they laughed. But what did Noah do? He just kept on building. And I'm telling you right now in this hour, man, I, I, I just feel so impressed in my spirit. This, this nation is about to go through things we've never seen before. And, I, oh, pastor, you're just out there. I may be. I may be. Maybe I am. But I'm just telling you, as for me and my house, we're going to build. We're going to be ready when it comes. And I'm encouraging every one of you. Amen. I, I, I saw something today uh, that mainstream, I think it was in Nebraska, it's already been introduced into their school system, kindergarten through second grade, sex education, teaching them from a transgender point of view about sexuality. And you, and, and, but if you shelter your children, you're a conspiracy. Let me tell you, from what I see in the scripture, shelter is a good thing. I, I don't, if you tell me I'm sheltering my children, I take that as a compliment. Well, you're just sheltering your kids. Absolutely, I am. That's what I'm called to do. Listen, if my kids, and I'm not against education, I'm not against success, but if my kids don't get a college degree, and if they never make $100,000, but they make it to heaven, I've succeeded. I've, that's my number one goal. That's my number one goal, is making sure my children are ready to get to heaven. That's it. Now... I believe that they can do both. I think they can get college degrees, and I think they can make lots of money, and I think they can still make it to heaven. But if my children make money and get degrees and all of that, and they don't make it to heaven, I, don't, I, have, I have failed as a parent. Or I shouldn't say that because I, you know, at one point they're going to make their decision. But if they make it to heaven, that's what matters to me. And so we've got, we've got to build an ark for our families. We've got to start building. What does what the Word of God say about these things that we're going through right now? What does the Bible say Anybody read the book of Revelation lately? I was going to preach today from Revelation chapter 5. I felt like God shifted direction a little bit. But I thought about, man, every time, when you, when you get up to preach and you say, turn your Bible to the book of Revelation, everybody's like, oh boy. Buckle up, here we go, right? It's about to get crazy in here. All right. And actually, 
Revelation is just telling it so that we can be ready for what's coming. Amen. And if, you, if you're saved and you're right with God, Revelation is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. John, in John chapter 4, the angel speaks to John and says, come up and let me show you things. In, in Revelation 5, the book that's going to show what the Revelation is all about can't be open. And John begins to weep. John says, I need the revelation. I need to know what's coming because I want to be ready. Amen? I mean, John had been boiled in oil. They threw John in a vat of boiling oil, and he popped up like a bad potato. He said, you can't, you can't touch this kind of thing. Right? He pops up, right? MC Hammer pants on and everything, pops out of the oil, unfazed and unburned, and gets out of the oil. And then they ban him to an Isle of Patmos, and John has watched his friends beheaded. He's watched his friends be slaughtered and sacrificed. And now John is about to get a revelation of what all that suffering was all about. John is about to get a vision about what all of this, why he endured all of that and why he's been through all of that. And, and he is weeping because the preacher's not preaching on revelation. And finally, the elder says, there's one that is worthy to open the book. Look over there, the lion of Judah. And John turns to look for a lion, and instead he finds a lamb. A lamb as though it had been slaughtered. And that lamb takes the book, and the seven seals of that book are taken off, and the book of Revelation, understanding. John, understand, and now I understand why I went through everything I've gone through. I understand why, and I, and I see at the end, the lamb is sitting on the throne. Amen? Amen. We need, we need to understand what we're going through in this last day. We need to understand that Jesus is coming soon. There is going to be suffering and there is going to be pain and there is going to be persecution. But I want to have a revelation. Why? So that I can build that fortress. For my, I'm not just going to send my children off into this world. I'm not doing it. I'm not saying you have to homeschool, but I am saying you better sit down with your children and make sure what they're being taught in their school. I'm planning this week to call our, our county precinct. I want to get involved in our school system. Why are they introducing all this junk into our school system? Because we don't have, we don't have any of us sitting on those boards saying, hold on, how is that being taught in our school system? It's the truth. We, we need to get involved in what's going on in our community. We need to be involved. Well, I go to church. Well, that's good, but we need to get church out into this world. I know I, I can tell I'm ruffling some feathers right now. Because we think we're just going to send, because they come to church for two hours on a Sunday, and then we send them out into a world whose agenda is the destruction of our children. This ain't happening by accident. This is their agenda, is the destruction of our children. We, well, they went to Sunday school on Sunday. They'll be all right. You better build a tower. You better build a tower, and you better make sure as much time as they're getting taught in the school system, they're getting taught the Word of God when they come home, and it's getting reinforced. You need to know what your children are being taught. You need to know what's being, what, what they're being thrown into. And I'm not, my children aren't just going to be taught in the old thing. It's not going to happen, amen? I'm sheltered, yes. Yeah, hey, please, come pat me on the back and tell me I shelter my children. That would be the greatest compliment you can give me. Amen? Anyway, Sister Monk, thank you for that word today. And I want to encourage you all, build, build a tower, build fortresses. Amen. Have spiritual authority. Don't let the Bible just be a book in your life. Let it be the number one resource that you go to when you're making a decision. Amen. Don't let the preacher just be the guy that sweats and screams for 45 minutes or if you're lucky, 30 minutes on Sunday. All right. Let, let him be the person that prays with you over decisions that you're making. Not what color car you get, the big decisions. Okay. 
Amen. Anyway, I could go on all day. We'll stop. Sister Monk taught already. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray our families will be ready for whatever is coming. I pray, Lord, Lord maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe America is on a great path. Maybe, perhaps I just have a, a weird perspective, but I don't, I don't think that at all. I feel in my spirit, Lord, that this nation, and I think it aligns with what I see in the word of God, that as it was in the days of Noah, it's going to be at the coming of the Lord. And God, I see the things aligning right now, and I believe, Lord, that we are living in that time that your word speaks of, that everything that can be shaken shall be shaken. And while I know that that speaks of persecution and trouble, I also believe it speaks of a great day for the church. I believe, God, that people are going to be turning, looking for truth, looking, God, for an answer, and the church is going to have that. But, Lord, I, be, I pray that in this time, as we prepare to enter into this season of the second coming of the Lord, I pray, God, that we are building towers for our families. I pray that we are building towers, places of safety and refuge. I, I pray, God, that we have, we have carved out some moats, Lord, in our family. God, that there's a first line of defense, that there are some things that we're not allowing into this home. There are some ideals that we're not allowing into this family. There, there are things that we're not going to allow to be watched and observed in this home and talked about in this house because I've, I'm preparing me a fortress. I'm preparing a fortress, and I'm going to make sure, as Noah did, he built that ark to the saving of his family. And God, I believe it's not the pastor's job to build the ark for my home. It's not the preacher's job to build the ark, but Lord, it's his job to give me the resources so that I can go home and I can build an ark to the saving of my family. And I pray that over every family in this church, God, as we are coming close to the second coming of the Lord, I pray that more serious than ever before we would take it, God, that we are building an ark to the saving of our families. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. Let's get ready for worship service. Greet somebody next to you. Give five high fives. That'll be 25 people if we all give five high fives. Amen. And we'll get ready to enter into our service. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.